Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. of the sports rivals for Ernie. I am Monty. And first of all, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to everyone. <laughs> and I can tell you right now, before we get started, that it has been a very ghoulish weekend in the world of sports yep. for Ernie and I in terms of the NFL and for UH football. And Ernie, let's start there. University of Hawaii hosted mm-hmm. Wyoming yesterday. 10 and 10 point, 10, 10 and a half point underdogs jumped out to a 10 nothing lead. Yep. Wyoming uh, came back tight at a 10, and then the second half, Wyoming pulled it away. I think UH started quickly. They got two quick interceptions uh, by Manua, and things looked good. And then from that point on, Wyoming stopped throwing the ball. They just ran the ball, running for 365 yards. The typical offense slowing down on the second half happened again this time maybe some drops maybe a little bit of you know some overpasses a little bit little bit too little 27 20 wyoming pulls it off your thoughts on the game yeah i mean i it was a really uh impressive start i mean you know just like the week prior where they got it on onto that that early start but you know can't blame the altitude this week they're back at at their home still at their home stadium but just like you said i mean Wyoming uh, just went off on the ground, you know, led by DQ James. He had 170 yards. McNeely carried only four times. He had 81 just, bought, just you know, on those on those four attempts. And uh, Hawaii could only get as close as, uh, you know, getting it close to 20-27 before they, uh, you know, got that last interception to kind of seal the game. But, you know, still hats off. If, the, if, if, if someone told me, uh, during the first quarter of the season, uh, how if if the if the Rainbow Warriors would finish at uh, with only two wins on the year, I would have been okay with that. To me, I'm better than okay because in the, in the way that they're actually losing, they're still competitive. They weren't competitive earlier in the year. Now they're competitive. I believe they've covered. I mean, if you're into that, you know. If, uh, Moral victory kind of thing. They they've covered their last four. Yeah, Wyoming is a pretty decent team. You yeah, know, they're 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 a, they're an above five hundred team. Well, now they're an above five hundred team, and you know I I, I still think the Rainbow Warriors are giving a hundred and ten percent, and that's the main thing that they're giving a hundred and ten percent and leaving it all on the field. No, I agree. I mean, I, I still think that effort is not the issue. It's still, I mean, I think it's in this particular situation, it's kind of working that we're in a smaller venue because mm-hmm. it is packed every week. It was right. sold out again today. Granted, it's only 9,200 people, but that energy, when you see a packed stadium, even if it's a smaller stadium, that energy is there and the, and the Warriors are responding. They are playing very, very hard. Um, Effort is not the issue. They're playing a lot of young guys, mm-hmm. and these young guys are getting valuable experience. I, I, I agree. I think this is a journey um, that could have been a little bit better. They've lost some heartbreakers. Yeah. But at the same time, it is a process. And I think this year one of Timmy Chang was a complete beginning of a massive overhaul rebuild. Uh, and I'm encouraged. I continue to be encouraged by the enthusiasm, by the effort. Um and I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that they'll get a win or two down the stretch. And if they don't, that's okay. As long as they keep playing this way yeah. and start building some momentum and start keeping home a few more of those local stars, uh, I think it'll be a UH will turn this around pretty pretty quickly. At yeah. least that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I, I, I'm in. I'm 100% on top of that. I, I I believe that you know these are the growing pains. You know, considering what happened with the turnover last year. That uh, you know, we're, this this is the best case scenario. I think uh, that I'd expect. You know, uh, really, if you thought that the the Warriors after that overhaul from last season was going to finish at a 500 or better, uh, you're, you're a true fan. You know, the realistic side of the of this thing is you're bringing in a new coach, you're bringing in a new system, you're bringing in a lot of players that haven't played before, and the players that you lost 
were valuable players, as you can see how they're performing, uh, you know, on, on the other side of the pond, you know. So, uh, again, hats off to the Rainbow Warriors. You know what? Thumbs up to you guys. We believe in you. We believe in you. Uh, for the seniors that won't be coming back next year, you know, proud of you guys, too, that you guys hung in there and uh, you guys make us proud. Yeah, it's been a tumultuous, if you're a senior, it's been a tumultuous ride for the last few years. Yeah. So <laughs> hats off to you as you move forward. So again, this is Ernie and Monty, the sports rivals. Um, a reminder that we are a part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. And as we transition here, they did an unbelievable job carrying OIA sports, Ernie. They were mm-hmm. in the rain on Friday night at Farrington uh, for the Kahuku Mililani championship game. What started as a relatively close game at the half, what ended up in a blowout as Kahuku defeats Mililani 35-0. to zero. Um, The next night, Punahou takes care of St. Louis relatively easy. Again, that seems to be the matchup that everyone is pointing to. But the state tournament is now set. You have the three teams from the OIA. You have uh, number one seed Kahuku. You have Punahou representing the ILH. You have Mililani, who came in second, and Campbell, who came in third. They will be competing for the Open Championship. All right. So it looks like it's going to be Kahuku versus Campbell in round one. Punahou and Mililani in round one. The winners will play each other. And again, it's been pointing this way since they played earlier in the year at Kahuku in a hard-fought battle back then. It really seems to be Kahuku Punahou on track to play for the title. Okay, as a former Saber, Saber, I'm gonna have to put my, <laughs> I'm gonna put my heart first. Go, go Sabers on that one. At least make it respectable. <laughs> well, they, they, you know, they have an unbelievable offense. And what's weird is you have the. Um, the Sagapolatelli brothers, one quarterback's Punahou, the other younger one quarterback's Campbell, mm-hmm. they, you know, they pull the upset. The two Sagapolatelli <laughs> brothers could be playing each other in the final. So that is the open championship in the D1. Iolani is going to be the number one seed out of the ILH. Then you have Waipahu, who beat Aiea as the number one seed um, there in the in the Division One championship. So that's all on track to start. Finally, a full college football high school playoff. I'm excited to see the inevitable Kahuku Punahou showdown. <laughs> Anything less than that, I think, for the fans in a way that's not a Sabre right. or not a Trojan, I think that's the matchup we've been long waiting for. But we've seen it before. Anything can happen in a one game and you're out right. type scenario. Right. So that's what's happening in the world of high school volleyball Nationally ranked Iolani rolled through the state championship. Kamehameha Hawaii, Ernie, check this out. Kamehameha Kapalama had been in the state tournament for the last 20 years. In the finals for the last 20 years, I believe. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they played in the finals of the state tournament for 20 consecutive years. years. Since Chris Blake started there. This year, they didn't make it. Iolani took the first seed. Punahou took the second seed. Kamehameha was out. Kahuku was the third seed. But Kamehameha Hawaii made it all the way to the finals. So there still was a Kamehameha team in the finals, just not the Kapa'alama, as, as they shocked Punahou in round one. They took out the two, two second-ranked Punahou in round one. Then they came back the next night, beat Kahuku in five, took out the second seed, Kahuku, they succumbed to the powerful Iolani team, winning in straight sets. Congratulations, Iolani, on their third state championship in the world of girls volleyball. All right. Before we get to the NFL, because it's still too depressing, Ernie, let's talk about the world. <laughs> let's talk about the World Series. Games one and two happen on Friday and Saturday. We're all even at one. Surprisingly. Surprisingly, because Houston jumps out to a 5-0 lead behind Justin Verlander. But those Phillies, those resilient Phillies come back. They tie it at five by the middle of the game. It goes into extra Indians and JT Riomoto with an opposite field home run. Phillies win game one, 6-5. Houston bounced back in game two behind uh, Framber Valdez, pitched another brilliant game. They win 5-2. We head to Philadelphia for games Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. That's crazy. I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Can the Phillies do to the Astros what they did to the Padres and win three in a row? 
Probably not. I mean, I'm not thinking that that's what's going to happen. But I think this series, the way both teams, the quality of both teams and the way the Phillies are playing, I think we're looking at a seven-game World Series. It's 1-1 right now. I think we're going to go seven. And I still hope those Phillies pull it out. <laughs> I, I, I hope those <laughs> they, Phillies pull it out. They could because uh, tomorrow, I mean, their first game in Philadelphia is going to be on Halloween. And that, that just bodes for something crazy to happen. And with, like you said, the, the next three games, they, if they pull two out of the three in Philadelphia, that, to me, that is, uh, I mean, it, it will go seven. I'll, it, it will go seven, you know, if not shorter. Because if they pull two out of three, I really think the Philadelphia Phillies are going to take it. I hope so. I mean, I hope so. They're, I mean, again, gang. They won 88 games in the 87 games in the regular season. Houston won 106 games in the regular season. The 19 game difference is the second biggest difference in a World Series since 1906 when it was the Cubs and the White Sox playing. And believe it or not, back then, the team with the less wins won the World Series. So that bodes well for the Phillies, I hope. So still sour from the cheating in 2017. All right, Ernie, let's face it. Let's go to the inevitable. Let's talk about the NFL. Oh, I can't be surprised. I mean, obviously, it was one of my picks. I had the 49ers laying the one and a half points against the Rams. It is just mind-boggling the way that it happens. Rams jumped out well. They took a 7-0 lead. Then it was 7-7, took a 14-7 lead, go into the half at 14-10. In the second half, complete domination by the 49ers. Rams offense stalled again. They couldn't handle Bosa, who had two to three sacks in the second half alone. And then they just, the, the 49ers just made every single play down the stretch. And I was telling Ernie, even the luck was against the Rams. They blast McCaffrey. The ball gets fumbled in the air. A 49er McLeod lying on the ground about five yards away. The ball literally falls into his lap. Uh, What could have been a game-changing turnover is a microcosm for how the last eight regular season games have been. 49ers roll over the Rams 31-14. to The Seahawks again knock off the Giants. So the Seahawks go to five and three. Incredible. The 49ers are at four and four. That's incredible. My Rams drop to three and four, and the Cardinals at three and five. So another painful day. I cannot. I cannot say I was surprised. There was Matt Stafford played a little bit better. There was some hope in that first half, but man, the I, I, I've told you this before, and if the 49ers played the Rams every week, they'd go undefeated. <laughs> they just play at a club. The team that played the Rams today was not the team that played the Chiefs last week. It is remarkable how they get up and play perfect football against the Rams. So that was my heartache. That was my Halloween experience today, gang. Gotta tell you, my Rams are three and four. And again, in the NFC where the Bucks are three and four, the Packers are three and four, there's still a chance they could slide into... Uh, a wild card position, but uh, doesn't bode well. Your Pittsburgh Steelers traveled cross state, the Battle of Pennsylvania. My other pick, I had the Steelers <laughs> plus the 10 and a half, was not so fortunate this time as the Eagles prevailed 35 to 13. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it wasn't even funny. I mean, let's, let's, let's just be true here. Just like how you have the San Francisco 49ers beating the Rams every year. Twice a year. Yeah, twice a year. <laughs> At least for the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's not that, that way. But we're talking 50 years. 50 years since, nine, 50 plus years since 1965, the Pittsburgh Steelers have failed to beat the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. Before you and I were born. That was the last time. Well, certainly before I was born. <laughs> and certainly before I was born. Well, in fairness, it's only they only play there once every eight years, yeah. right? So but yeah. still that's, that's that's like a seven, eight game that's, losing streak. That's half a that's half a century. And you gotta figure with Chuck Noll, with Bill Carroll, with Mike Tomlin and all those Super Bowls in between shared amongst, you know, those three Hall of Fame coaches, you figure one of them would be able to win in Philadelphia. Uh, the well is still dry, folks. 
Uh, they gave a valiant effort. The Philadelphia Eagles on their first drive, uh, do it in 10 plays, 68 yards, score their first touchdown. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers answer back in a very good 19-play drive, 84 yards. I was feeling good. Just like the week prior when they scored the first touchdowns, nothing else happened after that. Uh, the cries are calling out for Matt Canada, the offensive, co offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers to be fired. Two touchdowns, eight interceptions on the season. And we don't know where it goes from from here. I mean, even the defense played, even though the defense in today's game only allowed 10 rushing yards uh, for uh, for that Philadelphia offense, all Jalen Hurts did was basically pass for 285 yards, four touchdowns, with A.J. Brown being a recipient of six of them, catching three touchdowns in the first half. What a terrible game all around, dude. It just ruined my afternoon. I switched. I didn't even watch this, uh, the afternoon games for, uh, for the NFL. I switched directly to basketball. What a depressing feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, right now the Steelers stand at 2-6. and six. My Rams are 3-4. and four. It's painful. It is not the season that we expected. And Ernie's right. I mean, statistically, the offense is the second worst in the AFC. The defense is the second worst in the AFC. You can expect that at least the defense will improve when TJ Watt comes back, if he is his normal TJ Watt-like self. Uh, offensively, Pickett has not been the answer that everyone had hoped no. that he would be at this point in time. However, I do think at this point in time, they better just ride him out and figure out, is he the answer? I mean, next year, there could be six quarterbacks taken in the first round. I'm not sure you're going to take a quarterback two years in a row, no. but you certainly got to know what's going on. And I don't think switching back to Trubisky is going to get the Steelers into the playoffs this year. So they're better off probably sticking with, with, uh, with Pickett. Now, if Canada's the problem... Get that's something else that's probably not going to happen in the middle of the year. That's yeah. just not the Pittsburgh Steeler way. It may happen in the offseason, but it's certainly not going to happen now, I wouldn't think. So let's just kind of close out the NFC. You have the Eagles at 7-0, Dallas with a 20-point victory, a pretty easy victory today over Chicago. Ernie came home on that pick. He laid the Cowboys on the points. They're now at 6-2. The Giants are 6-2 as well after their loss at Seattle. And those... Commanders, Tyler Hinnigy yep. finds ways to, to win, win. Yep. the way Carson Wentz finds ways to, to lose. lose. Yeah. I don't think Carson Wentz is going to get his job back if and when he's healthy enough to do so. But now they're 4-4. Four and four. So the NFC East, no one is under 500. In the North, you have Minnesota running away with it now at 6-1. The Packers are at 3-5. The Bears are, are are the same. And then the Lions. The Lions keep losing close games. Yeah. They are 1-6. In, in the South, you have, Ernie, the Atlanta Falcons at 4-4 four four are in first place in their division <laughs> with an overtime victory today. Mm -hmm. The Buccaneers at 3-5. The Saints at 3-5. And, and Carolina almost beat the Falcons today. They're at 2-6. Had they beat the Falcons today, you would have had a four-way tie at three and five for all, first place all the way down. in the South. So yeah. that kind of wraps up the NFC. So as bad as my Rams have been so far, you know, you got to think that there's still a chance until you look at the schedule. We still have at Tampa next week, yeah. at Green Bay, yeah. at Kansas City. It's still going to be a gauntlet for the Rams. So at this point in time... I am looking for a new team to cheer for <laughs> as we move forward. But switching to the AFC, the Red Hot Jets ran into a situation where Zach Wilson made a couple of bonehead interceptions. They lose to the Patriots to extend their woes to the Patriots, similar to my Rams' yep. woes mm -hmm. um, against the 49ers. So they fall to 5-3. and three. Miami, Tua, behind Tua... Almost 400 yards of passing. He was on it today in Detroit. Granted, it is Detroit. Right. They're now at 5-3. and three. The Patriots, after a disappointing loss to the Bears on Monday night, rebound to go back to 4-4. Four and four, And then the Bulls took care of Green Bay. So you got the Bills at 6-1, and 5-3 Jets, 5-3 uh, for the Dolphins, and then 4-4 four and four for the Patriots. And then in your division, you still have... The Ravens beat Tampa on Thursday, so they're at 5-3. and three. 
the Bengals are looking to go to five and three tomorrow night against Cleveland, mm-hmm. and then you have Pittsburgh and Cleveland on the bottom right. at two and five and two and six. So, right. in the South, Tennessee keeps finding ways to win. Tannehill doesn't play. Derrick Henry goes for over two hundred yards again against the Texans. They're now at five and two. The Colts lose to the Commanders. They're now at three, four, and one. Ernie, they made a big news this week, benching Matt Ryan for the remainder of the season. And going with Sam Ellinger as the quarterback for the Colts. The Jags continue their downfall. They're two and six. And then the putrid Texans are now at one, five, and one. Your thoughts on any of those AFC teams? Not a whole lot that I want to break down game-wise, but any any observations or anything you want to share in terms of the AFC? Well, all I know is on both sides, AFC and NFC, the, the East are the beast. I mean, especially on the NFC side. I mean, who would have thought that, uh, you know, that division would be where it's at right now? I mean, very dominant with the Eagles and Dallas Cowboys. Even the Giants who lost today still are a very respectable 6-2. and two. Uh, On the opposite side, I, 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 I mean, the AFC West, I had a really, uh, that, was a, that was a division I really had high hopes for. I mean, it's not too bad. You have Kansas City at 5-2 and two and the Chargers at 4-3. and three. But the Chargers four and three is a, to me a disappointing four and three. The Broncos with Russell Wilson barely squeaking out a win, and the Vegas Raiders uh, over today getting shut out uh, at two and five. You know on the season, very disappointing for that AFC West. What I thought was going to be a, a really tight race going into the season uh, looks like it's going to be a two man race towards the end with Kansas City and the Chargers. Uh, Anything can happen. We're we're into uh, nearing midseason, and it's going to come down to who can be the healthiest, in my opinion. I mean, again, as we mentioned earlier, with the with the way that they're handling injuries in regards to even concussion protocols. I mean, with being very picky about it, whoever has the deepest roster, in my opinion, or whoever can. Uh, you know, maintain that aspect of next man up and continue, you know, continue that uh, good play on offense and defense. That will be the team uh, to really knock off heading into the playoffs. And whoever heads into the playoff the most healthiest, I really believe, is going to win because only the Buffalo Bills that I've seen so far have really maintained that high quality of play with injuries. Every team has suffered when they've lost critical players. Oh, absolutely. And those Raiders, man, what a disappointing yeah. showing today. 24 to 0. Derek Carr killed me in fantasy football. <laughs> I mean, he was just flat out brutal today. But, gang, tomorrow, Monday Night Football, Bengals and the Browns. Bengals at the Browns. I like the Bengals. They're on a roll right now. I think the Browns are mailing it in. I think the. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is just not getting it done anymore. We're still weeks away uh, from Deshaun Watson. Looks like Kareem Hunt's going to be traded possibly to my Rams. Mm -hmm. A lot of chatter about Hunt to the Rams. Um, I like the Bengals. The Browns always play them well. They'll keep it close, but I like the Bengals 28-24. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. Uh, The Bengals are on that streak. They've won four of their last five. The Cleveland Browns, however, they've also had all close games. A, a lot of three-point losses, you know, other than that loss to New England uh, maybe about three weeks ago. All their losses have been close. Again, all their wins have been close too, but they'll keep it close with the Bengals. But you know what? I really think the Bengals are, are you know, coming back to form. They lost their first two games. I think that really woke them up, you know, Uh they're hitting on all cylinders right now. You know, it looked, they were my pick to win the Super Bowl. I was going to change my mind. Boy, good thing I didn't say anything. Uh, I believe they're going to win. I, I, I like them. I like them 31-21 with a last-minute, you know, shutout at the end. Uh, a 10-point win, even though it's going to be closer than that score indicates. The only thing that worries me a little bit about the Bengals is they are going to be playing without Jamar Chase, who injured his hip. He could be out for four weeks or so. Mm-hmm. So that allows them to focus on two T- guys. Yeah, T. Higgins. Um, and, and Chase had been going nuts the last couple of weeks. So we both expect the Bengals to win and go to five and three. 
Let's transition to our top five. Again, for the second consecutive week for me, no changes at all, other than the fact that I no longer have a tie for my fifth spot. So I'll just spit this out real quickly. Buffalo has done nothing to, to keep me from believing. They're still number one. Eagles at number two, seven and oh there. Chiefs stay at five and two. They had a bye this week. They rolled San Francisco last week. And anyone that can roll San Francisco needs to be in the top three because we certainly don't know how to do that as a Los Angeles Ram fan. At four, the Vikings who find a way to continue to win. They're now six and one with their only loss being at Philadelphia on a Monday night football. And Dallas for me is the solid number five at six and two behind that defense. Um, no changes for me. Yeah, my... Mine too. I mean, Philadelphia has been my number one since week three. They've given me no reason uh, to drop them. Buffalo, a solid number two. Uh, could easily be number one, if not four, just the timing of their losses, of their, of their sole loss this season. Kansas City right behind them, Minnesota and Dallas. So my three, four, and five are exact mirror of yours with just, you know, uh, Philadelphia and Buffalo, you know, switching places. But very, very close in my opinion. Nothing have changed since the uh, the previous week. Yep. Uh, so that's our top five. Again, let us know what you think. You know, what's your top five? Do you agree with us? I'm sure some of you think that there are certain things that may be in there. And again, it doesn't necessarily mean teams with the best record. You know, there are people like Colin Cowherd. He does his top 10 every week. He has the 49ers still, even when they were three and four at number eight, when they were at three and three, they had he had them at number five. I still believe they're a top 10, probably a top five talent if they can stay healthy. So let's transition to our picks. Last week together, we went 4-0. This week, back to earth a little bit. We both split going one and one. I lose with your Steelers. I win against my Rams. Shame on me, but business is business. <laughs> you win with Dallas rolling the Bears. You lose with uh, Buffalo allowing Green Bay to, to, to cover by it. half. So you barely missed there. Let's go to our week nine pick. So I'll go first here. Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks in general, he finds a way to shut them down. Next week, they have the Indianapolis Colts coming to Foxborough. They're five and a half to six point favorites. With Sam Ellinger now at the quarterback position, I like New England to roll in this game. The rolling will be determined by how much points they, they can score. Mm -hmm. But I think they hold the Colts to less than 10. I believe they win this game 24-10 or something along that line. <clears throat> In the second game, I'm actually going to go with my Rams. Okay. Rams are going down to Tampa Bay. A battle of two teams that are struggling, are disappointed so far. The Buccaneers look to be even more disappointed, I think, than my Rams and the quality of their losses. And here's the thing. Tom Brady's divorce to Giselle was official last week. You can see that that's wearing on him. If you look at, at, at Tom Brady, he looks... 45 years old for the first time he's skinny he seems in the you know extremely skinny like he, the stress has caused him to lose some weight which i'm sure it has and then here's the thing with the rams one of the i told ernie this it's gotta be so frustrating for the rams players to play a home game and be have less ram fans in attendance than the opposing team there were a ton of Buffalo fans in game one. There were more Dallas Cowboy fans when they lost to Dallas. And there's always more 49er fans. If you looked at that stadium today, it was almost all red. And that's <laughs> got to be frustrating, which is why I believe the Rams are a better road team. It's easier to manipulate the noise and to, and to get motivation when everyone is against you. I believe it's much harder to be at home and to have the other team cheering the fans at your home field cheering against you has got to be mentally disturbing. Mm -hmm. The Rams have gone to Tampa and beat them the last two times down there. I believe they're going to make it three in a row. I believe the Rams bounce back. The interior of the Tampa Bay line is their problem. Aaron Donald is our solution to that problem. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to put a lot of pressure on Tom Brady. I think... Shaq Barrett, Torres Achilles, he's out now. They don't have the pass rush that they normally have. I believe Stafford will have some time to play. My only caution is that on the last play of the game today, Cooper Cup hurt his ankle. Mm -hmm. um, 
Lord knows why he's in the game 31 to 14, running a pass with 30 seconds left, but he rolled his ankle. If he is out, then this will change, and I'll update it later in the week. But if Cooper Cup plays, I like my Rams on the road where they play better, in Tampa where they play well, to knock off Tampa Bay. So I got New England minus the six, the Rams plus the two next week so far. Where is Ernie going? You know, last, last week I went with two big... Uh, favorites, uh, you know, going with Dallas plus 10 and Buffalo plus 11 and a half. Uh, this week, I'm going to go with the exact opposite. I'm going to go with two big dogs. I'm going with the Houston Texans at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, those undefeated, my number one ranked team, Philadelphia Eagles. Houston, I'm going with basically analytics on this one. The Houston Texans, over the last 11 games where they were more than seven-point underdogs at home, have covered that spread nine times. So I'm going, uh, based upon those analytics, take Houston plus the 13. Uh, My second one is Tennessee at Kansas City. Tennessee, surprising. This one really jumped out at me. I saw Tennessee as an 11-point underdog in this game. Tennessee, if they can... uh, have a couple of stops against Kansas City and elongate some of those drives with Derrick Henry, you know, running the ball here and there. I really believe that they could uh, at least keep this one close, keep it within the 11 points, take Tennessee plus the 11. I think that one's going to be predicated on does Tannehill come back because Malik Willis, um, he's not ready yet. But a lot of points. I, you know, I like the Texans plus the 13. That's a lot of points. Although I learned my lesson on taking the Steelers today against that same <laughs> Philly team. But they are on the road. It is on a short week on a Thursday night. So right. anything can happen there. So, gang, those are our picks. Rams plus the two. Uh, Coats minus this. I mean, New England minus the six over the Coats. Texans plus 13 against Philly. And Tennessee plus 11 at Kansas City. Should they... Should they bet their mortgage on this car payment or lunch money? <laughs> lunch money. If you have kids, if you have kids going to public school, lunch yeah, money. take a chance. Take a chance. Put this on a fourteen parlay. All right, gang. This is Ernie and Monty. We are the Sports Rivals, part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Ohana. We're so excited to do that. But Ernie, let's transition into something that, at least for you, is a little bit more positive. I'll start off first because until about. 30 minutes ago, my Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James was the only winless team in the NBA. And by some miracle before the show, they knock off the Denver Nuggets. Good team. 120 to 109. They finally get a win from here. They may not lose already, Ernie. They may, they may end up 76 and 5 by the time the, the season ends. Oh, man. Those Lakers, dreadful. Today, though, 13 for 30 from three-point range. Okay. This is from a team that's shooting 20% right. through the first five games. So they're not going to shoot 13 for 30 all the time. That was an inordinate amount of three-point shots for the Lakers. But here's the thing. If they can just get somewhere in between, if they can just shoot 30% from three, not 48 but not 18, if they can shoot 30% from three, they're going to be in a lot of games. How but about, man, how, it's, how it's about painful. If they ju- how about if they just shoot 23s for the game? Shots? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I'm not talking about taking threes. I'm talking about shooting percentage. Oh, shooting percentage. I agree. I mean, I, I, think, the, I think the Lakers should focus on getting to Paint. the hole, yeah, shooting get free throws, getting teams in foul trouble because those three-point shots just aren't working. But the Lakers do win. They go to one and five. But your Celtics had easy victory today. They, yeah. they, they really took it out on the Wizards. Frustrating loss the other day to the Cleveland Cavaliers who came into town and knocked them off um, in overtime. Mm-hmm. But still, the Celtics are off to a reasonably good start so far. I think you got to be 
quite pleased other than defensively they're not the same Celtic team from last year for me the Milwaukee Bucks are doing what I expected them to do they're the only undefe- undefeated team mm-hmm. in basketball they're at 5-0 and oh. those Cleveland Cavaliers that knocked off your Celtics are at 5-1 and one. and then your Celtics are right there with the Hawks at four and two, right. so still a great start for your Celtics. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, again with the off season that they had, bringing in Broadman, uh, bringing in Gallinari, and Gallinari then having his issues, and then of course the Ime Doka scandal. Uh, you know, having to forcefully, uh, you know, promote uh, Mazula into that position. They're having a decent. Uh, start of the season i believe there are two losses you know that first one against chicago at chicago they had a 19 point lead their their bench did nothing in that game uh, allowing chicago to build momentum in the second half at that point in time they were just uh, on a roll chicago bulls end up winning that game by by 18 so they're down 19 points in the in the in the first half, they they eventually win by by eighteen. In the se- in, in their second loss versus Cleveland, same thing. The bench did not produce. They allowed two forty point scores in Karis Lavert and Donovan Mitchell. Two forty point scores and still pushed them into overtime. Uh, they're gonna play them again on Wednesday. I think that's gonna be a very different story. Even though that they're gonna be playing in Cleveland, I like where the Boston Celtics right now I think it's just a matter of cleaning up that second unit you know getting them uh, more in tune in regards to not blowing leads because in both of those losses they had you know double digit leads only to allow the second unit to uh, you know blow that and lose the momentum so I think they, they figured that out again you mentioned that the defense didn't look this uh, uh, good uh, I think they've shored that up. They allowed 94 points today, and really, they could have kept that team. If they left the starters in, they, they could have kept that score under 90 today very easily. So I believe they're going in the right direction. My only, uh, I'm only crossing fingers and toes that this team does not get any injuries because they are susceptible to injuries. Mar- Malcolm Brogdon has not played a 60-game season in the past three years. Of course, we all know about Rob Williams. And God forbid that one of the Jays goes out for any extended time. Uh, that will be a big blow to them. But yeah, great start. I, I'm focused on NBA folks. Uh, unless the Steelers do something drastically and fast, uh, the NFL is just not here for me this year. So another team that won the championship last year, the Golden State Warriors, their defense is not the same right no. now. They're, I'm not sure what there is. They are really playing the young guys a lot. Moody's getting a lot of minutes. Poole's getting... Well, Poole's going get, to get his minutes. But they're all playing a lot of minutes. It's almost like they are using the beginning part of the season to really try to develop these guys going forward. And they're paying the price. I mean, they lost uh, a, a pretty inc- intense early season game at Phoenix on Tuesday seven technical fouls in the third quarter Kelly Thompson his first ejection ever uh, that was a fun game because my daughter was actually at that game mm-hmm. she was there in person she was like what happened dad how come Clay Thompson got just got kicked out and I had to go back and rewind the game to see exactly <laughs> what happened because it was during a commercial break yeah. uh, that all of this happened so Golden State is struggling a little bit defensively they lost to Charlotte they lose to Detroit today yeah. they're now at three and four but other than the fact that my Lakers and we talked about this last week the Lakers are not that disappointing at one and five they're only disappointing if you're a Laker fan but if you're realistic they're not that good but the Clippers at two and four Already a problem with Kawhi. Kawhi has only played two games so far. He's missed four already. He's going to miss tomorrow night's game as well. Problems with that knee. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not saying that it is he's lying because I'm sure something is wrong. But this is 18 months since a partial tear of his ACL. And he's still having issues. So, man, you just can't trust Kawhi. So he's disappointing there. The Nets, you talked about them last week. They they are, you know, as a Laker fan, I think the noise of the Lakers being one and five is so much greater. But the Nets at one and five and continuing to lose and not even that close in some of the games mm-hmm. recently against not the best teams, yeah. 
they seem to be falling into further and further disarray. I'm not sure Kyrie controversy off the court never really helps the cause. No. But I'm starting to wonder myself. I mean, has Steve Nash lost his team? Is he the right coach? It's really hard to tell with the cast of characters that they have. But they're healthy. Ben Simmons is physically healthy. They're relatively healthy. And they're one in five looking ugly so far. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's a little bit of all of that. I think it's a little bit of Nash. It's a lot of Kyrie. It's a lot of Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has not come out of that funk from, you know, that playoff series against the Atlanta Hawks where the Atlanta Hawks, you know, took him out of that playoffs when they were the, what, what, what were they, the number one or the number mm-hmm. two seed back then. Uh, Kyrie is continuing to have his off-court issues, and Durant is, I think, he's just getting fed up with all of this. I mean, boy, I think the next time that he asks for a trade, he's going to... Uh, Force his way out big time because Kyrie has just opened a new can of worms. This now it's in regards to uh, supporting anti-Semitic uh, movies on his uh, social media. Uh, you know he's fighting with reporters. Even team owner Joe Sai is putting comments out there on Twitter saying that he doesn't uh, condone this type of uh, action. Uh, I really think. If you've been following a lot of uh, social media, if you've been following the Kanye West thing, he now he calls himself Ye. Uh, Kanye, at one point this year, listed by Forbes as a billionaire, lost a lot of endorsement money because of that, uh, you know, his anti-Semitic uh, views. Now Kyrie's getting into it. Watch out, Kyrie. I don't think anybody's going to pick you up this offseason. And you're on contract. Your contract is over. Uh, get ready to be underpaid big time if you don't clean up your act. Fighting with reporters is not going to help you. Uh, Having that talented stacked team and not performing is not going to help you. Your history is not going to help you. Kyrie Irving, if I'm going to be prognosticating in regards to your future, it's going to be out of the NBA sooner than later. (laughs) <laughs> if there's anything that Ernie is consistent about is his passion for Kyrie Irving. <laughs> he has a passion for Kyrie. So let's recap in the NBA in the Western Conference. The Trailblazers surprising at 5-1, and one, though they did lose Damian Lillard to one to two weeks with a calf. Phoenix Suns, 5-1. and one. They're doing better than I expected with some quality wins so far. Mm-hmm. And then the two shockers at 5-2, and two, San, Antonio San Antonio Spurs and the Utah Jazz both at five and two, which is stunning to me. And then you got the Pelicans and the Grizzlies at four and two, Timberwolves and and Nuggets at four and three. So gang, still early, still anybody's game. It's it's kind of cool to see the surprising teams, both positive and negative. And my Lakers. <laughs> I mean, now is, you know, we've been spoiled. Over the last few years, it's been a great time to be a LA sports fan. But For the last month, it's been heartbreak with the Dodgers, the Rams just not getting it done, and the Lakers' abysmal start to the NBA season. It has not been, it's been slim pickings for positivity in the LA scene. I guess USC football is where it's at. Speaking of USA, USC football, that is covered on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network on a weekly basis, along with the Dallas Cowboys and those before mentioned LA Clippers. Their games are also on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. So let me transition. Anything else in the NBA you want to talk about? No, I'm good. Let me just transition to my closing thought. I didn't have anything that was uh, that important that I wanted to discuss, but you know, I've mentioned this before that I'm actually a CPA by trade. I'm fascinated by numbers. I'm fascinated by data and how to use that data to do things, whether it be in the business world or in the sports world. And analytics, Ernie, has become such a vital part of sports. Mm -hmm. But at some point, for me, I think the use of analytics has gone a little bit too far. And there's all kinds of examples. Let's start in the NBA. The Lakers. Analytics say that you're supposed to take these three-point shots because if you're if you're at a certain point, the three-point shot is what you're supposed to take. Right, right. That's not working for the Lakers. Right. They're following what you're supposed to do analytically. They're one in five. Okay. In baseball, analytics tell you you should only play your pitcher 
two times through the batting order, or you should only bat this guy against this person, or this person against that person. And I believe that taking those, there are managers that are super successful because of their innate ability to read a situation and to use their gut to make a decision that's not necessarily gonna align with the analytics. So I think baseball has been using analytics a little bit longer than some of the other sports, but basketball and now especially football is really using analytics. And my pet peeve is that too many teams, in my opinion, are taking points off the board by going for it on fourth and three, fourth and four, fourth and five, fourth and two, where you have a chip shot field goal that's there. And the odds are, so for example, there, there was a, a situation where a team was at the 10 yard line. They, it was a, the Tampa Bay game on Thursday. They went for it on fourth and two at the 10. They could have taken a chip shot field goal, but they didn't. And there was 53% chance they convert fourth and two um, with a run. 49% they, com- they, com- uh, they complete fourth and two with a pass. So about a 50% chance. So there's a 50-50 chance. So they're giving away three points for a 50-50 chance to possibly get seven if they make this. They didn't make the first down, yeah, so they got zero. Yep. And too many times that's happening where you're leaving points on the field by continually going for it. You alluded to that Steeler-Buffalo game a while back where they kept going for it on fourth down. If they had taken some field goals, and it's not necessarily, sometimes it's the psychological impact of getting points mm-hmm. rather than getting turned away and getting zero. That has a psychological impact as well. So my pet peeve within the NFL per se is that a lot of these decisions are being made based on analytics from say third downs and two, third and three. So they're extrapolating that information to say, hey, if you have down and distance of this much, you should go for it. But I think it's different at third and three than fourth and three because it's finite and it's a turnover when you don't make it. I believe that over time, this analytic information that's being accumulated right now over the last two years where teams have become excessively aggressive it's going to start to show that maybe it's not the best thing to do to not take points. Right. Yeah, just take some points. Now, granted, if you're down by 21 points and it's the fourth quarter, I get it. But when it's early in the game and you're down by six or you're down by seven, take the points. Stop giving it away time after time after time. It's just frustrating for me. I don't know why it is. That's the that's the data in me because it's not necessarily my team. My Rams don't even get into the red zone, so they're not the ones that are doing this per se. But I just see it happening way too much where we're just giving away points, trying to get the seven. And I'm thinking that at the end of the day, that three points makes a big difference. Some teams are getting away with it. Some teams are paying the price at the end of the game when they start doing things. Even things like going for two. Mm-hmm. Since when, when you're up by down by 14 points and you score a touchdown, now you're down by eight, that you're supposed to go for two so that you can win it with the next one. I don't get that at all. Because yeah. if you don't make it, now you got to get a touchdown yeah. and a two yeah. rather than just take the easy 14 points. But it is what it is. That's the data. That's the CPA me not agreeing with the analytics. But just fruit for thought for those of you that are numerically inclined like me, or you take a look at that, I just shake my head sometimes because sometimes you're taking the ball out of the hands of a coach that can make solid decisions in sports and you're just following the numbers and the numbers don't always work. Yeah. Over 162 games, like my Dodgers, they follow analytics to a T. That leads to 111 wins during the regular season. Then you get into the playoffs when these analytics don't really matter quite as much and they're out in the first round. That's where you have to use your gut, go with your best, play your best people, not overthink things, and just let it play out. My thought there. Any, yeah. any thoughts? No, I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't really think analytics come into play when you, know, you have this different personnel out there. Uh, let's say one offense versus this particular defense you know, this particular offensive player versus this particular defensive player. I think it's really generalized in that area. Like you said, it comes down to gut feeling. I believe a lot of gut feelings got to be, you know, played out by that. I mean, to me, 
you take out really the real good management, uh, coaching management, uh, you know, from that element, and you're just gonna you're you're relying based based off of an algorithm on a computer model that is really not fully developed. You know, uh, it might come out that way, like you said, over a long period of time. But you know, like you said, in a particular game, we don't know if if a percentage of that happened on uh, week eight versus week one of the season versus a quarterback that has a 91 uh, quarterback rating versus a quarterback who has a 121 rating versus a defense that is good against the run versus a defense that is good against the pass. I, I, you know, it's all generalized. And I think those little finite points of there really make a difference. Like you said, it's going to come down to feeling. Uh, sometimes you just got to write. You got to take the... I, would, I always was under the thought that you always take the points you always take the points especially if you have the time to come back because there's a lot of other elements in the game that can sway you know the outcome either way so i'm with you on top of that i mean analytics are analytics but you know what i like i like the exciting part that's why they that's why vegas is that's why Vegas is so popular out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a role for analytics in the, in the world of sports, like anything else. Like, there's a role for analytics in, in every walk of life, in every business. There's there's use of numbers. It has just, to me, gone too far. Yeah. Now, you almost don't need a coach. You just need a computer and an algorithm, and it'll say, this is what we'll do. Yes. This is what we'll do. Right. And you don't even need that. And, and I believe that that has gone a little bit too far. So, gang, my venting, spewing speech right there. But that's how that that's exactly how I feel. Anything else in the world of sports that you want to address? I'm I'm too depressed. I'm just too depressed. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready to go trick or treating tomorrow and eat some candy. That's what we want to do. Before we close out, I do want to commend the the gang at the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. They have had an unbelievably busy schedule over the last couple of weeks covering OIA sports, where there was OIA girls volleyball. OIA football, late nights, and then Alan and Kule back every single weekday morning from 8 till 9 a.m. Commend all of the announcers, all of you that are doing that on a daily basis. It's an extremely grinding yet rewarding occupation, and, I, and my hat's off to all of them there. And, and a reminder, tune in to Kule and Alan every Monday through Friday on AM 760 and 95.1 FM on your radio dial. They'll keep you in stitches. They cover the world of sports. They're practically laughing all the time. So if you want to feel good for, from 8 to 9, that's the radio station to tune into and the gang that you want to check out. Other than that, we encourage you to check us out on social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Tell us what you think. We want to know what your picks are, your top five any feedback they meet that you may have, anything that you want us to discuss, check out, ask us some questions. We'll go with you on dialogue. I dare you to challenge Ernie on his hatred for Kyrie <laughs> or tell him what you don't think the Celtics should do. That'll result in an awesome discussion yeah. going forward. But until next week, where the Rams and Steelers turn it around, Steelers will not lose next week, they Ernie. Will not I lose. promise you that. I the Rams will bounce back next week, and the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.